Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. What's going on, Tommy? Here we are again. Big Dave, as you can see, I've gone to a standing stage in my office so I can really let my arms fly and talk because I'm such a, a talk with my hands guy. And even, so if, to- even if you can't see it, you, Tom, you can hear it in your voice. The freedom, the freedom is unbelievable. I Tom, feel freedom today, baby. Today we are talking about engagement. Now this is a two-part, we've already predicted this to be a two-part conversation. Today, we're going to kind of set the stage. And also, you're going to tell us a little bit about things MTI has done, a philosophy, a program that you built that you speak on occasionally. And then part two is going to be a little more tactical in talking about this thing that we call contextual engagement, which is kind of the it's a relatively new approach to getting members to do stuff. So this term engagement, one of the things that's driven me nuts about the word engagement it's so darn broad, right? Like every, you know, every system, every tool, every service could be sold as an engagement service system tool platform, mm-hmm. you know, almost everything. Right. I'm kind of curious, what do you see as the definition? How would you define engagement? Number one and number two, where do you think the flaws are? So engagement to me is when any member in any way reaches out and connects with the association for something that drives value to them, the association offers point blank. Now there's things that are- Wait, 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 wait. You just said when the member reaches out. You don't think think a member could be reacting or responding? Reacting and responding is still engagement, right? Certainly, but until the member reaches out, there is no engagement. I know some associations with phenomenal- marketing programs on what we call last time perceived value and the member perceives it as value, but it's not real value. So they just don't engage in it. So engagement never happens unless the member actually reaches out and says, Hey, I want that in the association, whether it's online, digital, or a physical program or a meeting or volunteer opportunity. They so have to remember doing something. Yes. A member doing something essentially is engagement. Right, exactly. And so, so you asked what are some of the problems? So there's two major... Wait, hold on, hold on. Before we go into the problems, let's keep talking about the definition because I've asked that question to a number of other um, association executives too. And I got some really kind of philosophical definitions like uh, going all the way to connectedness. Engagement is creating this level of, in- of a connectedness with your members. And true engagement is a sense of, of, and we got into this one of our other podcasts about creating emotion. They're creating, and it's about creating this connectedness. So true engagement shines through in, in the form of this sense of connectedness with members. Whereas on the more basic level, people clicking on something is engagement. So I know you have a system to measure the level of engagement but okay, so I mean, there's a huge spectrum in that definition of what is engagement. But talk to me now about what you think the problems are. So the, the, so the, the problems and the challenges with, with engagement revolves around two core issues. One, associations send broad general mailings out and messaging to their members, such as- Oh, they, to they, segments. They, if, you're, if you fall into a segment, you must be like everybody else in that segment with the same well, needs, well, right? Well, it's not so much about the segment, but a general segment marketing, such as Dave, you need to be more engaged and come into one and, and our programs. Well, you may be one of the most engaged members and you're already in eight of 10 programs. So you don't need that messaging. You need something that says, Hey Dave, because of what you're doing in your engagement, we're able to do these things this year and we love you for it. Thank you so much. Call us if you need anything. 
but we don't. Most associations send out broad messaging that they want to blanket everybody or, hey, Dave, register for our meeting in the next three months. Well, you registered last month. You don't need to get that mailing. You need to get say, hey, Dave, we're looking forward to you coming to the conference kind of stuff. So that's challenge number one at most problem I see. Number two is associations don't measure engagement at any level to try and get to the people that have different marketing. So I go back to what I said last podcast. I think it was last podcast. We talked about value. So the biggest thing that you could send to any member that gets them engaged is the following phrase inside the first two sentences. Whatever program, whatever meeting, whatever volunteer opportunity, our records show that you are not blank. You're not registered for the meeting. You're not in this program. You're not a volunteer yet. And we would like to help you get more engaged in that process. What that does is it taps in because everybody thinks they're active. I've talked to members that think they're active, but they're really not. They're just, they just go to your meeting and they think because they're interacting with members, they're really active and they're not. So by saying you're, you're, our records show you're not engaged in whatever, it strikes FOMO up here and they go, oh my gosh, their subconscious says, I need to do something. I want to participate. That's one of the biggest things we've done the last 10 years that gets us 83% of our members engaged. So the biggest thing is general marketing. Wait, wait, you just said 83% of our members are engaged. Give me an example of someone who is not engaged. How would you define they are or are not engaged? So for us, I'm a big believer in physical, tangible touch points. We have 13 touch points, our four benchmarking programs, coming to a meeting, being involved in our uh, executive management leadership program, volunteering. We don't count engagement. They bought a product from us. Our online engagement separate animal. We don't even look at that because I've seen members that have engaged in conversations for a year that drop their membership because you're only as good as what to me the physical activity that you got going on in a lot of cases and, and meetings touch the heart part of it when we get them to a meeting. So there's three levels of engagement we have. We have information only members that only get stuff with their dues that come free like our benchmarking. Then there's transactional members that buy stuff. They buy our online training or our, they advertise in our magazine. Or the emotional member, what you and I talk about, the emotional member to me is the person that goes to a meeting, connects, or volunteers for something, or goes to our leadership training. Those are the three emotional type members. We literally track what percent of members are in each category, and our goal is to move information members to transaction and from transaction members to emotional. And we have a nice strategic flow that helps do that. So 17% of your membership that you do not consider to be engaged may be contributing online, but they are not actually doing one of your- 13 touch points. 13 yeah. touch points, okay. So if they're doing at least one of those 13 touch points, then they are engaged. If they are not, then they are not engaged by your definition. Right, and inside of that quadrant in a spreadsheet, we say if you're in five or more programs, you're, you're actively engaged. If you're in four, three, or two products, you're somewhat engaged. Zero, you're, you're not engaged. So we send different messaging to each of those categories. The person at zero, we talk about the vast majority of our members are involved in our programs and are doing very well. We'd like to see you get involved in one or two. How can we help you kind of thing? So those are the two problems. The individuality, your, the problem that we're sending segments, the same message, and then lack of measurement. Mm -hmm. I would argue that you're still putting people into segments that do not allow them to receive content that's highly relevant to them because I know you're using PropFuel, but you're, you're not always asking people questions to create context, which leads to directly relevant content. The problems I see here, and it, measurement's interesting, and I think it's a good idea at the broad level to measure people's engagement, but let's talk about individuality. I agree, huge problem. If an organization is sophisticated enough to be talking to segments, which many are not. Many just they blast emails out to entire membership. Mm -hmm. But if they're sophisticated enough to be sending messages to segments, let's just say you have a 5,000 person membership. 
you know, which is very small, right. depending on, or very big, or, you know, it's, it's just say it's 5,000 members. If you have a segment of X, let's say retired or student or mid-career members, the assumption then is that they all need the same thing. And in fact, you might send out a survey once a year to identify, generally speaking, what it is people need. I'll make the argument that every single individual, depending on their point in their journey, depending on the time of year, is going to be needing something different. Correct. So to send a thousand people of your 5,000 the same email with the same links to click on is completely putting them into the segment and you're not talking to the individual. You're talking to a group of people as if they're the same thing. So our philosophy and the philosophy that I totally subscribe to is this idea of creating context. And I, I don't want to get into this too much right now because this is part two. So I think I've used this analogy before. I can't remember if I talked about this in the podcast or not. So I'm going to say it again. Imagine you place all of your members at the entrance to a forest. You like mm -hmm. making fun of me for this. But we put out all your members at the entrance to a forest. And one at a time, we let them get through the forest to the pond on the other side. Every single one of them is going to choose a slightly different path. If they run into 100 trees, each one of them is going to have a different combination of whether they went left or right at a particular tree. Whether they chased the butterfly down the path or they looked at the deer over to the left, they're going to take slightly different paths based on what's interesting to them, based on how they're feeling at a certain moment. And it's our job as association professionals to try to find relevance at certain points in the member journey so that we can create high, high levels of relevance to drive renewals and retention. So that's, that's the purpose of engagement is to create relevance, I believe. And no, the problem I, I, I is totally when it. we're looking at segments, we're not doing that. So here's what I would say to that. So I think when you look at an association, because in an association, it's built around a commonality. There's best practice that like in our industry, we know that every member, every member can benefit from seeing the forecast of sales over the next three years, everyone. How they look at that and when they look at it could be different, but every single one. So I think your analogy is good, but I do think that when you look at an association running through the forest, the vast majority are going to look at the same six things, the same six ways to go through it, but how they get there and when they get there will be different in the journey. That's where your association programs come into play because there's enough commonality within an association to at least find the six things that 90% of the industry is going to flow in. It's just some are going to go through it slower. Some are going to look at it differently, but the still core value of the program really is beneficial. And that's where my life comes in. What associations aren't doing to get to your point is they're not asking the right questions. They're not listening. I know a lot of associations that they really kind of sit around in staffs and they brainstorm what's good for the association members without really asking in depth what their challenges are. So they don't ask the right questions. They're not listening really good. They're not hearing and then they're not innovating. If you don't have the right questions and you're not listening, you can't innovate that makes it different for members, which leads to V, value. Then you have no value. And if you have no value, you have no engagement. So that's why it's very important in the whole alive concept that you ask the right questions to get to the deep enough pain points. Just to take a step backwards, you're talking okay. so fast, man. Alive is an acronym yeah. that you use to describe your engagement philosophy, your approach. To right. A, take me through it again. A? So a is ask. Ask, Okay. Asking the right questions. When you get up every day and you go into your office, Dave, you don't have a perfect business. No one does. What is the top challenge that you get to the end of the day and you want to pound your fist and say, I can't deal with this. Mm -hmm. What is that? And you listen. The next one is listen. When you, the, the, the member is about to tell you what the highest value you could offer them if you could solve the problem. Yeah, I and love when it. You, when yep. you listen across a, about 100 members, if 70 of them say the same general thing, it's like there's a program for us there. 
And so you listening, and then what you do is you take that knowledge, you go back to the table with a, a committee of members and your staff, and you innovate to say, how can we provide that and deliver that to the member more efficient, less costly, easy to the member to access where it brings. And when you do that, it then brings value. And if the value is high enough to that pain point, guess what? They engage. When you announce the program and you tell the story right, they engage in the program. Alive. It, it's an awesome acronym that just you sit down with your team and say, look, we want to bring our engagement alive. And alive is we're going to ask good questions. We're going to listen to what the pain points are. We're going to get a committee and a team of staff. We're going to innovate to be able to bring out a program that's going to offer value. And then we're going to engage the heck out of it. Oh, that's interesting. So I think about things in terms of a flywheel. What is this continual process that you need to do to get something moving forward so that it's it's its ongoing rolling machine that's eventually hard to stop? That's what makes this flywheel. And so it, the Alive is is a constant rolling iterative process. I see that as a very strategic, long-term sort of iterative rolling process. What you're doing there is... To me, that's an innovation driving, an innovation driven approach to creating value and therefore engagement. Whereas what I represent is more of the granular, fine individualization and personalization approach to getting Tom Morrison to do something as a member of my association. Right. What you're doing is trying to create innovative programs, which I love, but then where, where I come in with this ask, capture, act approach is to figure out what is it that Tom needs? What is it that Sally needs? What is it that Susan needs? What is it that Mike needs? Right. And let's deliver very specific. Once we have that alive approach helping us build these programs, now let's deliver them to the individuals. That's awesome, man. Well, for me, I'll give you, I'll give you a simple example. I am such an active listener with our, our members. So I was talking to a president of a company about two months, a month and a half ago. And we were talking, he says, Tom, we were talking a little bit about a value stuff. I said, I said, Ben, what could I do for you tomorrow that would be, that would like knock it out of the park? He says, Tom, we're being asked to do so many virtual meetings now. None of us have ever really done virtual meetings. We're all technical savvy, but we're technical in our industry, but not with like Zoom and stuff. It'd be great if you did how to put on a top A plus virtual meeting, whether it's staff driven or a conference session. I said, done. Within 30 days, you know, Terry Carden, we both know her. Yeah. Um, she was a great speaker. She's doing all these dollars. She's got a lot of best practices. She's the, the founder of AMS Fest, and she just started another one this year, Nanduza Palooza. Absolutely. So I hired her to come and not, in. And she, she runs- uh, 100 uh, Reviews. 100 Reviews. Yeah, so I, I got her on camera, and we scheduled a webcast. She did an hour-long webcast for us. And our members, I called one of our members like three days later, and I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm watching the replay of your thing on how to put on a good virtual meeting. That is active listening. Our big virtual conference about to come out in, in 60 days. I was talking to exhibitors and, and I was like, so guess what? This is going to be like being on the show floor. You're going to be able to talk like you're on Zoom through our new technology that we're building. He says, eh, I thought that'd be exciting. He goes, eh, that, that, that's good. But what really made me happy is if we could share screens in the platform and I could show presentations as if I'm standing right there. Called our supplier. Hey, are we going to be able to do this? He says, we will tomorrow. And I called him back. I said, dude, your idea, we're making it happen. It'll be on, it's in the radar screen tomorrow and it'll be delivered by the time we get there. That's what I call active listening, delivering value on this. Value's got to be real time, Dave. It can't be a one-year survey. It can't be a question every other month. It's got to be active listening to your members because value happens every time you talk to your member. Yeah, I, I am not a big fan of surveys. I, I think we used to have this campaign that we called Survey Suck was the name of the campaign. We, we had t-shirts and surveys to me are a dissection 
of your membership. But uh, I mean, based on what you're telling me, aren't surveys a good way to, based on the alive mentality, looking at the big picture, trying to innovate, aren't surveys kind of a good way to listen at scale every now and then to figure out what are we missing as an organization? They're great for doing short stints, such as like, you know, our members might want to put a meeting in the Midwest during a certain time of year. Because our members like to get together for like golf, or we had a, a meeting where they wanted to get together to maybe go skiing. So we use a survey to go out to all the members in that region, say, here's what the meeting would look like. Here's the schedule. This is the approximate cost. Tap here if you would be likely to come to that meeting. And would you bring a guest and how many? So we use surveys to get specific about certain things to tell us if we have enough value and enough participation to actually take follow-up. Because I'd hate to sign the contract for 100 rooms and have 20 people show. So we use surveys for those types of things. But we don't use surveys to find out what our members want a lot of times because I think you need to listen every day to figure that out. Yeah. And your whole staff needs to be coached on that. That's obviously, that's been our philosophy is routine listening, but we don't stop with the listening. Our approach is to listen all the time by asking. So ask, capture, act, right? Listen, but take action on what you're hearing. Right. Um, the only thing that requires is that you have programs and content set up already to address what it is you're hearing when you listen. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I love your model for innovation and engagement. That's phenomenal. How do you attribute that to revenue? How do you turn that? I mean, we just did the revenue episode last time, but how do you, does a live, so the value, the V in a live mm -hmm. is how you attribute this model to revenue, correct? So you're, oh, absolutely. Well, you're by creating value, you're, you're driving renewals and retention. Well, think about it. Members are paying tens of thousands of dollars of their money for consultants or firms to do things for them that you could be doing. I know companies that- Now you're a trade association, which is, you know, right. obviously for a trade association, association, that's the case. That might not be the case for a professional association where, you know, in your case, for sure, clients, I, members I, are paying tens of thousands of dollars. I think people like realtors and doctors and, and teachers, I think they're spending money on things that the association could tap into, but they're not asking the right questions to find out, is it really a big pain point? You know, I don't want to give somebody a discount on an Avis car rental. That was a big thing for years or cell phones because they're doing that with their local community. I want to know if I was in the teacher's world, I want to know what are the pain points for a teacher that we could save them money or give them a more connected feature to our group that makes them value us every day. If I'm a real estate agent, what are the challenges being a realtor every single day? And how do you bring that value by solving those problems? I talked to one association exec one time. He says, ah, that's that business services side. I don't want to get involved in that. He's a glorified lobbyist that was an actual association exec, which, by the way, goes back to the very first session that we talked about on this, where a lot of associations are ran by governors. They're not ran by business savvy people that understand how to get the people's minds to find out needs and wants. Yeah. And that's what we need today. What do you think of satisfaction systems? Like there's, there's the very common one is called the net promoter score, but it's a way of tapping into people's sentiment on a more continuous basis. The net promoter score very specifically being to measure an individual's loyalty to an organization. Now, I want to know your thoughts on this, but I think the nice thing about this is it's a regular and continuous way of saying, hey, how you doing and what's up? Like, what could we do better? You know, for me, my ultimate net promoter score is our retention rate every single year. And I watched that. I've watched it the last 10 years and it's averaged 96 to 97 percent. So that to me is the ultimate, but it only happens once a year when everybody has renewed. So I think net promoter score. And it's kind of late, dude. It's like, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of late to be asking how you're feeling. That's like the result of somebody feeling badly is they leave. Don't you want to catch them before? 
they well, choose not to renew? Well, the net promoter score, that's what I'm getting to, the net promoter score allows you to do that. Yeah. But, yeah, the, okay. but the ultimate, right. but the ultimate figure at the end of the year would be looking back and saying, wow, we had a 90, we had a 92% retention rate this year compared to 96 the last 10. What yeah. happened? So, but the net promoter score allows you to have, like I said, active listening, net promoter score allows for active retention. So that's interesting. We have an approach that we do with some of our clients where it almost replaces a net promoter score. It's like it's simply the renewal campaign. Mm-hmm. And you know, anywhere from six months out to three months out, we'll ask the question, hey, are you planning on renewing? Like this is kind of checking in. It's another way of saying, would you refer us to a colleague? That's the net right. promoter score. Would you refer us? But it's a more direct way of saying and getting to your point, which is, hey, the ultimate metric is, are you going to renew or right. they renew? Yeah, right. that's, that's a great point. So what do you think, I mean, should we just ask people, are they planning on renewing or should we go a little more kind of passive and say, hey, would you recommend us to somebody? Well, asking that question, Dave, is asking the right question as part of the live, the A, because you want to ask, would you recommend, because if someone says, I probably wouldn't recommend you, you got a problem. You want to know that then and there. You want to ask that tough question because if they say, I'd love to recommend you. Well, could you write us a quick email or could you share this video with three of your colleagues in the industry and say, hey, I'd like you to call them. Yeah. So, but but yeah. if you're not, but see, if that's you're not a great willing, action, by the way, we talk about ask yeah. back. the action is if you give us a nine or 10, well, then mm-hmm. let's, let's give people actually the resources they need to refer us. Right. Yeah, I think that, that's what I love about the net, what the net promoter score can be waged for. It's an active listening, active action step that can help members be involved in the recruitment process and tell you if someone's not on the, on the same line as you with their score. This is, I love this conversation about engagement. What, so what do you think is the most underutilized opportunity for associations to improve engagement? It sounds, if, well, I want to hear your answer and then I'll tell you what I'm hearing you say. So the most underutilized element is the element of measuring. I think associations would be amazed if they actually put their people in three buckets. Who's the information only people? Who are people who actually spend money with us and transaction and who actually is emotional to come to meetings or volunteer? So we have 49% of our members are in the information only category. 65% of our members are in the transactional and I think it's like 42% go to meetings. So, what, so, so you know that, then what? So then you go to the information only members and say, hey, we noticed that you have not purchased anything from us and we've got these great resources, but I don't want to send that email to people yeah, to that people are already that buying. Are, yeah, yeah. But associations do. I want to send it specifically to people that says, our records show you have not bought any of our resources in the past year. And those that are buying it say it's been an awesome resource for them in the past 12 months. So we'd like, you to, we'd like to give you one for free to test it or a discount code to purchase it. People going to meetings, being able to understand how many of your members go to meetings tells you how many people aren't, which means you can then try and get those people moved into meetings. See, just using the data to know where your people are in the buckets of information only, transaction or emotional, lets you have different strategies of simply target to those thoughts. How do you communicate to the emotional group? I mean, they seem to be the most engaged, right? Well, emotional members, that's the big misnomer. Most people think because you come to the two national meetings and you're seeing, man, you're so engaged. I got the members that that's the only thing they do but they're not in any of our other 13 touch, other, our other 10 touch points. I got members that are in six touch points, but they don't come to the meetings. Because here's the thing to understand about meetings, which people really have a, a, a myth about. There's a certain part of your uh, association that aren't coming to meetings because they hate people. They hate crowds. They just don't want to travel. They don't like to travel. So we spend tons of money trying to convince those people, you need to come. Instead of trying to make the experience, the greatest experience for the people that want to come 
And then the, the, I've, I've had members say, you know, I've been, I've been looking at these meetings for 10 years and I finally came and I loved it, you know, but we get so bogged down and about the people that aren't coming when they're, they're just don't have the mindset to want to come. If I could answer the question I asked you, I think the biggest flaw in engagement, and I'm torn between two words right now, and one is relevance, creating mm -hmm. relevance. I think oftentimes we just talk to people like everyone's the same person. I think you're saying the same thing. And yeah. to me, the word there is relevance. The, we're not creating the relevance to people because we're talking to them as if they're all one person. But the other word I'm struggling with is, is um, we're not listening, the L in Alive. Most organizations are not listening well enough. And I think those are very related. If you're not listening, you cannot create relevance. At the individual level, you, if you're not listening to the individual, you cannot create relevance for the individual. And so I think that's right. the biggest problem is that combination, the connection between listening and relevance. That's actually a, a segue. That's the relevance to the next part two is we're going to talk about a, a big part of that is what are the revenue driving actions associated with engagement? So that's going to be our next conversation. So next podcast we're going to talk about on my side, the diagram that you need to use to establish what your relevance is, because every one of your volunteers and every one of your staff need to have a passion and clear and concise understanding of what your value is. And I'm going to show you how to dissect it down to a visual that can be put on the back of a business card for any volunteer, any staff member that you could tell between floor one and floor 10 on an elevator to meeting as to why you need to be a member of this association. Now, Tom, you spoke about this alive concept. I think if I'm not mistaken, you have a blog post that speaks specifically to what alive is and how it works. Where can people find that? By the end of the day, you'll be able to go out to tommorrison.biz and it'll be linked out there on the front page, but it's on associations now, at, I guess, asacentral.org. It was written by ASAE, and I'm sure you can find it on our website. But when I leave this podcast, by the time you hear it, it'll already be out on tommorrison.biz on the front page on the top right. You'll see it'll say engagement. It'll, it'll have some up there posting to, about the engagement, ASA engagement article. Tom? Dave? Conversation, man. This is, this is fun. I'm enjoying these. And, and I'm really looking forward to our next one. I think we're getting together shortly to record the next episode, maybe tomorrow. But thanks again for, for doing this with me. This is fun. You know what I love about this? Tell me. Is that COVID is not the end. It's just a speed bump in our life. And we're going to engage right through that, that mama. And we're going to come out the other end in 21. And we're going to make our members successful. And I hope everybody on this podcast remembers there is association strong. Then there's really association strong. You can pull them together and get through this. This podcast is a, a birth child of, of uh, is that a word, birth child? Could be. Birth. Well, it, now it is. This is... <laughs> <laughs> this was birthed out of the COVID environment. Do you know what would be interesting? I'm very curious what the, the the population change nine months later after COVID. Like, are, are people feeling a little more romance in the relationship? That's another podcast altogether, isn't it? Are oh, yeah. A little more romance in the COVID era or a little less romance because they're around each other too much. What's going on? I don't want to, don't answer that. That's a rhetorical question. Peace out. <laughs> we hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends. 